0: This time on episode 412 of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. We discuss episodes 10 through 13 of the 1992 X-Men animated series. And some background on Ron Wasserman. Weekly Marvel news, including news about the X-Men 97 revival. Brie Larson's training for the Marvels. And updates on She-Hulk. And your feedback, including a nice note on the Discord and your favorite Ming-Na Wen role. I'm Anthony Bachman
1: from All Things Good and Nerdy, a geeky podcast, part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other fantastic geeky shows at gunnageeknetwork.com. You have been granted clearance by director Alfonso Mac McKenzie. Stand by for a S.H.I.E.L.D. debriefing. All information to be discussed here is classified and may only be discussed among agents granted clearance by the S.H.I.E.L.D. director.
0: Now it's time for a scheduled debriefing. I'm Agent Michelle.
2: I'm Agent Chris. And I'm producer of the show, Director S.P. Welcome to Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., a Marvel Comic Universe fan show discussing the Marvel Cinematic and Marvel Comic Book Universes as told on screen by Marvel Studios. This show is recorded on Thursday, February 10th, 2022, live from the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. Studios and broadcast Fox Kids wide via www.geeks.live. Come and join our live chat as we record. Gang, happy National Umbrella Day.
0: You know what? Go after you've listened to us, go to Google, and if you have not seen Tom Holland's lip sync battle with You know, he starts off with singing in the rain, and then he goes into Rihanna's umbrella. Today is a perfect day. I had a friend post that, and I, of course, watch it. It's basically become an internet rule that when someone posts it, you watch it, and, of course, you share it with the world because it is three minutes of pure joy.
1: Nobody has told me about this, and (gasps) I am now mad at everybody.
2: Well, there you go, Michelle. You have somebody to share it with now.
0: Have you seen it, SP? I think I have,
2: but if you would share it with me to revise my memory, I would appreciate.
0: it. Oh, okay, yeah, I'll get on that link after we record because you all have got to see that.
2: Well, that's good. I am going to also order a new umbrella for the spring. I know it's February, but it's time to order a new umbrella so that you know it's available. Once the, all the snow melts and it starts raining, so I will have a good one. You know, you go through one or two a year if you're like me and where the handle gets sticky after a while, you know, ugh, the rubber stickiness, plastic stickiness or whatever that is. So I think I'm going to do that and then watch your video and then edit the show so we can get it out in a couple of days. So yeah, that's what I'm going to do. Chris, what are you going to do afterwards?
1: After this, I'm probably going to go to sleep because I have been awake for way too much of this week already. Me too. And I'm about ready for a coffee crash that I can feel coming in an hour and a half.
2: All right. So let's get through this so you can get through this before the coffee crash comes. And we're going to talk about Marvel. Because of one critical
1: piece of missing information.
0: You'd like to talk to us about critical pieces of information missing. You can. Visit our website, Shield.com.
1: If you want to keep your critical missing information from being written down anywhere, you can leave us a voicemail at 844-THE-BUS-1. That's 844-843-2871.
0: If you remember your vital piece of information at the last minute, you can share it with us on Twitter at Legends of Shield.
1: If you have enough time to put something real nice together, you can just make an entire video. And share it with us over at YouTube.com slash
0: You can share your trials and tribulations about information on our Discord server at GunnyGeek.com slash Discord.
1: And remember that Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a proud member of the GunnyGeek.com network, where they never forget to give you that critical piece of information.
0: Yeah, I'm
2: just, I'm trying to remember, there's something, something that I'm trying to, re- oh yeah, I gotta play the bump. What they were talking about before was obviously the critical piece of information that Bishop didn't remember as he came back. We'll talk about that in a minute. But first, before we talk about X-Men, the animated series episodes that we all watched for this week, and I got an update on that, too. But before we talk about that, you guys, both of you and everybody else that has either talked to me about X-Men, the animated series, or has given us feedback on this show that we're watching now has said, the X-Men theme is the best thing ever. Right, guys? It's true. Yes. Okay. So I did a little research, and I found out who wrote the dang thing. It's Ron Wasserman, and he's a rock guy in the past. He's part of a few bands, and then he became part of another band with his wife. He became his wife, I guess, after his stint with, the entertainment company that put on X-Men the animated series. But anyway, Ron Wasserman, he has 76 total composer credits and he's been in the business since 1992 getting credits, including the biggest one that he's done and the one that there's the most information out about is the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers theme. He wrote that, he performed that, and he sang it. So that's all Ron Wasserman. He also did X-Men, the animated series. We'll talk in depth about that a little bit more. He did Dragon Ball Z and he did Dragon Ball Z from home. So we'll talk about that later. He did a little bit of work from home deal there. He also did themes for reality shows like Americans, Top Models, American Pickers, which I'll just put that in the category of reality TV show. And he also did the theme for The Real Housewives of New York City. He did Hot in Cleveland, so he had a chance to work with Betty White. Yep, I said it. He worked with Betty White. And he did the theme for SpongeBob and many, many more. That's just some of the big highlights there. Now, Ron started working for Saban Entertainment in 1989. He was brought on to be basically a gopher, or a coffee person or something like that. And then he learned the mixing Business for TV over the next three years. He didn't just jump into it. He had to learn it. So for everybody out there that just wants to jump into a job and you think you're going to be the best thing ever, right out of the box. Yeah, there are people that are like that, but most of us, it takes a little while to do it. I talk about it on Better Podcasting all the time. Takes about two to three years to really get your podcast up and going unless you're already established. So he says that all the time in interviews. There's a lot of information. About Ron Wasserman online. He says all that. His alias for singing was Aaron Waters. And they did that because he, as the composer and director of the music, needed to yell at the singer. So they just created the persona of Aaron Waters, which is Ron Wasserman, but that's his singing persona and how he's credited. Also, somebody in, I don't know, Fox Kids or Saban Entertainment or whatever said, you know what? We're going to make you a label. We'll call you the mighty raw R-A-W for Ron A. Wasserman, by the way, that's why Raw was in there. So you might see him credited as Aaron waters or the mighty raw from time to time. Now he left Saban in 1995 and started to work from home. And what happened there is as what happens in the business, he was not getting any royalties when he was working with Saban. He does not have a grudge against Saban. He, were Haim Saban who ran it. He literally just, that's the way the business ran. He knew it. He knew he was doing a lot of work for somebody else, but he just never got royalties from it. So when he asked Haim Saban for royalties in 1995, Haim just said, no, we're not going to do it. And it was a business decision. It wasn't adversarial. There was no big breakup. There was no argument or anything. He said, okay, well then I'm leaving. And then Haim said, okay, that's the way it's going to be. They did have a talk a couple of years later, like two or three years later, was cordial and everything. It wasn't like they were big buds. And from there, his career just took some amazing directions. When he did Go Go Power Rangers, he did that theme in two and a half hours. And he always said, and listening to all these interviews, that When he's feeling it, it's going to happen in like two or three hours. And if not, it's just not going to happen. And you move on to another composer. And I guess that's what happens in the business quite a bit is these production companies will go out to these composers and they will ask them and they'll gather a couple, two or three or four or five, whatever themes, and they'll just pick the one that they like or the person that they like or something like that. And if you just don't get yours in, then you're just not competitive for the job. Also of note for Ron, very personable, and he wants to share his experience. He made it a point early on in his career to answer every single email or fan letter that came in. So if you contact him, and he does have a Facebook page, if you contact him, he will eventually get back to you. And that's part of the reason why he's been on a lot of interviews, is that shows like ours will contact him and they will have him on. Now he ends up telling the same story multiple times. You get a little bit new tidbits here and there, but he is very personable. He will answer your fan questions and obviously comes on a lot of shows. Now, as a person, he was adopted and he started playing around with music as young as three years old. So you guys, can you think of when you started doing something that is in your profession or or your desired profession you remember the first time you started doing something like that chris what do you think
1: i had one of those little tykes take recorders and i would make little radio shows and record them onto audio cassettes for people who are old enough to remember what those are
2: did you get it for christmas or a birthday or something like that i honestly have no
1: idea where it came from it was just there
2: yeah Yeah. What about you, Michelle? When's the first time you did something that you knew you were going to do for the rest of your life?
0: I've had an odd life. So, um, (laughs) I mean, I discovered some things as a teenager and then off and on. And, you know, I've I've eventually found my path.
2: Okay. It was just amazing to me that he started right away playing music and composing as early as three. And apparently he slept with vinyl records in his bed when he was three years old. So all cool. Now, along the way, after he left Saban, he actually ended up hooking up with Eddie Van Halen and they would just jam together for a while. And the funny thing was Eddie Van Halen wanted Ron to play on guitar, the go, go power rangers song for him. So he could learn how to do this. Eddie Van Halen wanted Ron to play it so that he could do it. And he said, man, I, Tried to do it myself and I think I got it. I practiced for weeks and weeks and weeks and I think I got it. I'm going to play it for you. And he did. He's like, Man, could you just play it for me? Because I just want to see it. And he's like, um I've never played guitar in my life. And I did it on keyboard and that's how it's all done because those wrists are really hard and we couldn't get a guitar player to do it. And so he had Eddie Van Halen do it for him or right in front of me. He's like, I wish I would have had a tape recorder back then because that. It was always, It was the one and only time I've seen a live guitar performance of the GoGo Power Rangers theme. So that was pretty cool. And of note, he doesn't really talk about the X-Men theme too much. He wrote it with somebody else. Caban, I believe his name was. And he did it in two weeks. And it was really in his early, early career. And the one thing he could remember about it is more hi-hat, more high, literally. That's what the feedback was. Give me more hi-hat. So it's got kind of a running joke in Hollywood. And it was like, really? You did that? And you're like, yeah, I did that. So he actually got part of a lawsuit. It wasn't just him. It was everybody else that was involved because it was very similar to a Hungarian TV show called Linda in the late 80s, early 90s. So they did a lawsuit for royalties on it. And they had to prove what's known as access, meaning he had access to the music and he might have, he might've heard in the background somewhere, whatever, but there was no chance whatsoever that he would have a seen the TV show or heard the TV show or been in contact with the Hungarian musicians and composers or whatever. So he was let go from the lawsuit, but that happened in 2019. There's a few articles online about that. He's had kind of a charmed life. He's met Ozzy Osbourne, and he said he's a very humble, down-to-earth guy. He's worked with Betty White, like I said before. He did a lot of work with TV Land, so he ended up working with Cedric the Entertainer and Christy Alley in addition to Betty White. That's the background of the musician and the composer behind the X-Men, the animated series theme. You guys got any questions and I might be able to answer about Ron.
1: Now, the first thing that pops in my head is when I kind of recreated it for an episode of my other show, I completely took the hi-hat out. So now I feel bad.
2: (laughs) I don't think he would disagree with that. So, yeah, and the original mixes are gone, by the way. He wished he would have been able to take them, but when Disney ultimately bought the studio, I think that's how it went. I think that's what he said. Disney ultimately bought either Fox Kids or, or uh, Saban Entertainment or something like that. Along the way, all the original single tracks and everything are gone. So you can't, there, there's no way to remix the original or do it on modern equipment. So it is what it is. He did a remix of his Power Ranger stuff, but he remastered it or whatever it's called. He recreated it, but he hasn't done it with X-Men. I don't think he cares to because all the digital rights involved and the fact that it wasn't just him, it was the director of music at Saban at the time as well. So I just thought that was all great. Some little background, like last week we had the background into one of the creators. Now we have background into the musician or the composer behind it and I'll put a lot of links in the show notes if you're a listener and you want to know more about Ron. He's been to MorphCon. I think that's what it's called, MorphCon or Morphicon, a few times before COVID. So he's very accessible. All right. You guys ready to talk about the episodes that we watched this week? Yep.
1: Oh, yeah. Previously on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. And that kind of learning about who you are, I think, is a lot of why the X-Men as characters overall are such a beloved team in comics.
0: It's like, if you thought Magneto was bad, Magneto has a cause and has respect for some life. Apocalypse is just, let's just wipe everything clean and I don't care if you're a human, I don't care if you're a mutant, I, whatever, you're either one of my minions or you are just wiped from the planet. The battles
2: happen around recognizable landmarks. So they start out in Paris where the peace accords are happening, and then they end up at Stonehenge. It's like you couldn't have picked like a countryside cornfield somewhere. No, you have to mess up Stonehenge because Apocalypse's ship is under Stonehenge. And then. The ship goes up, and there's no more Stonehenge.
1: Well, yeah, how do you think he finds it? If you just have
2: it in the middle of a field, it could be anywhere. Oh, okay, good landmark. Yeah, Yes. Should have put it under the pyramids. Stargate program.
1: Uh, Cyclops knows where Gambit came from. As viewers, we do not know at this point where Gambit came from. Gambit is being reckless. I very much appreciate that they are showing that his power is not just the cards. It's charging up anything. And he is taking full advantage of that. But Cyclops also needs to take a chill pill here. He's at about a 12. I need him to come down to a two.
0: It's only going to get better. I know eventually like the fifth season, but this show does get better and it starts off strong and it's still still going to get so good.
2: The previously on this week was brought to us by Agent Michelle. Thank you very much, Agent Michelle.
0: Glad I could help.
2: So the four episodes that we watched this week were season one, episode 10 through 13, as shown on Disney Plus, The Unstoppable Juggernaut, Days of Future Past, part one, Days of Future Past, part two. Can't wait to talk about them and the final decision. But before we get there, I need to talk to you guys about something. I was wrong last week. Chris, do you know why I was wrong?
1: I can think of at least 12 reasons, but what's the one you're thinking of?
2: I said that the Unstoppable Juggernaut aired February 20th, 1993. It did not. It aired Saturday, March 6th, 1993. I was looking at a list that had the incorrect air dates on it. So the Unstoppable Juggernaut did air out of order, and Disney Plus is showing them in the order that they aired. So I was wrong last week. I just want to correct myself. Everybody okay with that? Yes.
1: Yeah, you're a loud one every once in a while.
2: Okay, thank you. So, The Unstoppable Juggernaut aired Saturday, March 6th, Days of Future Past, Saturday, March 13th, Days of Future Past Part 2, Saturday, March 20th, and then the final decision, which was the season finale of that first season, Saturday, March 27th, 1993. Now, Michelle, you want to talk about what happened there?
0: In The Unstoppable Juggernaut, the X-Men discover their home destroyed and perfects Professor X missing. Their search leads them to a titanic mutant who can become an unstoppable force. In Days of Future Past Part 1, the mutant travels back in time to avert a future catastrophe. Days of Future Past Part 2, Gambit sets out to prove his innocence by thwarting an assassination he supposedly caused. Can he succeed? The final decision. Senator Kelly has been abducted by Magneto. And given the facts about Magneto's goals of superiority of mutants over humans, the X-Men's beliefs of peaceful coexistence between both races and the Sentinel's plans of global domination, and must make a decision of his future plans in politics based on this information.
2: Thank you, Michelle. Chris, what are your initial thoughts?
1: Overall, for the entire season, Like, it gets kind of episodic at the beginning which is fine. It makes sense to me. But then here toward the end, they've really got this overarching storyline thing going really, really well.
0: They did an amazing job on one of the most classic stories from comics, days of future past better than the movie. Again, the show better than the X-Men movies. I was happy
2: to see that the first season was really one long story arc. Yeah. Like Chris said, it was a little Monster of the Week, some points, but it really was building up the whole thing, which was almost unheard of back then. But the real cool thing is it had a de facto post-credit scene. Now, it wasn't really a post-credit scene, but it had a final scene at the end, which leads us into season two. I don't know what to call it—a coda, a final scene, a tease for next season. I don't know, but it had that. With I believe it was Mister Sinister that was laughing. At least that's. What I saw on the closed captioning on my Disney Plus. I loved it. It was really cool to see that story progression in the first season. All right. Of the four episodes that we watched, there's a lot going on, but the biggest thing that we got to talk about is that wonderful Days of Future Past story brought on screen. Michelle, you said it was better than the movies.
0: We got Forge, we got Bishop, we had Nimrod. It was very, succinct gotta have a time travel story you know eventually and here we have ours the entire season has been you know we started with the sentinels chasing jubilee the mutant control agency senator kelly trash that's always been repeated throughout this first season and here we have this story that's that dark timeline what if the sentinels do get to take over You know, what if Trask and Senator Kelly win? What happens? Of course, it's bleak and awful. We don't need a lot. We see Wolverine and it's, of course, Wolverine's there. We learn that he heals really quickly. So it makes sense that he's still alive. We just get this pan over the gravestones of the other X-Men that lets us know right away the world is awful. And the X-Men went down fighting. And we get Bishop, who we quickly, you know, he's a tracker. They call him a tracker. There's like supposedly the good mutants who are following the rules and they're okay. And then there are these rebels. We have to take care of the rebels. Well, we learn rather quickly that once you're done, the sentinels are going to turn on you. And then finally, Bishop is like, oh, I've outlived my purpose. Now I'm going to die. Even though I'd behaved myself, I'm going to go ahead and defend who I am. and okay, I will help you with this time travel thing and go back in the past and see if I can figure out how to stop this assassination. That's the critical piece of information. When he goes back in time, he forgets who he's supposed to stop and why for a big chunk of time. And what's interesting, they don't even know if that's what it does cause this whole awful future. It's a hypothesis given to us by Forge. It could be, you know, this assassination that happened in Washington, D.C.
1: And much like in the movie, they're taking the comic story and using different characters to kind of go through and make the story happen. Whereas in the movie, kind of feel like Wolverine is thrown into it because that's who the studio really wanted to push instead of Kitty Pride. Here, in the cartoon, that just doesn't really feel like the case, because just knowing how cartoons are made, they had this cast that already existed, and they can't really introduce a new character just to have her go back and do time travel stuff and make all of these things happen. So you just have Bishop come back here, you have Wolverine still around there, but the basics of the story are still there, and it's still such an amazing story.
2: I'm going to go a little bit more basic here. We're talking time travel. We get a time travel story. That's awesome. I love time travel stories. I just did an episode of Time Traveler's Wife for another podcast. Just love it. And then all the cameos. I mean, Michelle touched on them a little bit. Chris touched on them a little bit. She had, I believe, Quicksilver and Wanda in the future. You had a screenshot of Ghost Rider. There's a whole deal of how they snuck all these cameos, the artists for the shows, snuck all these cameos into the shows and they they're on name. They're on name mutants. And there's a whole story behind that. I've learned it. We will talk about it at a later date, but we obviously get all these cameos on the screen, which is awesome. And I know the days of future past story because I've seen the movie, but I've never read the comics and then seen a different version of that it here. It's truncated because you're talking about two different 20 minute episodes right but they hit all the high points of it and they hit they did all the important stuff i really enjoyed how they did it and they put a lot of effort and work into trying to tell the story at both a kid level and i believe an adult level where you could in 1993 i think they did a great job it was awesome i can't wait to see seasons two through four now because if this is the foundation we're just it's going to get better as you said last week michelle Master Mold. We've seen Master Mold before. He was he it was destroyed in a previous episode, but they either recreated it or fixed him up or something like that, or maybe you survived. I don't know. But Master Mold, I don't think we talked about before. He's basically a big sentinel that is a sentinel factory for more sentinels, right? Yes. Pretty much. Okay. And he's what the X-Men in this series of episodes ultimately have to destroy to win. Because if you don't, then you just get the hunt. I'm trying to remember the one shot in the fourth episode of all of the Sentinels flying around. There was hundreds. It seemed like hundreds running around. So the only way they can win against hundreds is to kill them all off in one big swoop and take master mold with it. Because if not master mold is going to create plastic versions and, Just specialized versions that will be able to go after different X-Men specifically. I don't know. I think it was handled well. It was handled with the whole team. You had the whole team coming together, including, I don't, what do you want to call Magneto's side of the X-Men? Because the X-Men is like Xavier and that bunch. What do you call Magneto in his bunch?
0: He likes to call them the Brotherhood.
2: Okay. So you have the X-Men and the Brotherhood coming together to fight the common enemy there.
0: Well, you have Magneto. That's the key part in this. I have to remember, it was great when they brought back, you know, Pyro and Avalanche. If you had been watching, you automatically realized, oh, they were the ones with Mystique. Mystique was with Apocalypse. At first, you think this might have been a Magneto thing. But now you realize that Apocalypse had a hand in trying to kill Senator Kelly. Figure out in the next after days of future past. Magneto's basically was just sitting around with a a drink, maybe with an umbrella in it. Who knows? Just waiting to see all this awfulness unfold. Didn't happen. Kidnapped Senator Kelly himself. We need to realize that it was just Magneto doing Magneto things. He didn't have anyone else there. There's no saber tooth. None of that. It was just him taking Senator Kelly to old battleship sort of deal and making his spiel and speech there and we get the upgraded sentinels that is part of the comics where the sentinels learn what the mutants can do and they begin to adapt and eventually and they didn't really get into it with Nimrod but eventually in the comics they have sentinels that can learn and almost mimic eventually like what the mutants can do and they become very formidable
2: before we go to chris i want to interject one thing the ship that magneto's on reminded me so much of the amazo back in arrow right the green arrow off the island right i i was just thinking oh what's the name of the ship please tell me it's the amazo please tell me it's the amazo but of course that would be crossing the streams i don't know chris tell me about magneto
1: Magneto's whole thing is he wants mutants to be able to live in the world. But where Professor Xavier wants everybody to live nicely together with rainbows and unicorns and stuff, Magneto wants his people to be more of a superior race kind of thing, which a lot of times plays more into that villain role. But it also means that he and Xavier will have their views align maybe not for the reasoning on why something should happen but the fact that the thing does need to happen and taking out the sentinels is definitely one of those things that needs to happen for both of them to have their goals met
2: i love how we finally get the payoff with gambit this whole season there's been this we talked about it last episode there's been this tension between Gambit and the rest of the team and michelle do you think that was adequately set up?
0: Indeed. We had that triangle in Gambit versus Wolverine, Wolverine and Cyclops, Cyclops versus Gambit, that triangle there, his actions on Genosha. He said he betrayed them to get inside information and then eventually rescue him. It's all part of his plan. Xavier looks into his mind. It seems like he had, you know, with prison when they were visiting beast, beast showed up. Hey, Hey, it was, there were just all these little breadcrumbs and when Bishops is like, you're the assassin, some of the team members were like, they took pause and was just, you know, m- m- maybe you could, and he, like Gambus just has his look and, and eventually they sort of go, not, you probably are not, right, uh-huh, sure. It was all there that season. It was good.
1: Well, it could have been any of us, right? It just happens to have been you, Gambit, but it could be any of us because we're all capable of evil, which is true, but still.
2: Yeah, the other thing about Gambit, though, is there was allusions to his past. uh, I guess the Cyclops with the past, but it's never been explored yet. Now, granted, we only got 13 20-minute episodes, but I'm hoping this door opens for some more information of gambit chris what do you think it's
1: been too long since i've watched this since i knew it was a possibility i didn't start rewatching it on purpose so i could kind of essentially rewatch it for the first time experience for this and i don't remember if they really get into where gambit came from but if they don't i'll tell you what it is later okay
2: Another cameo that we got in the first episode on the Juggernaut was Colossus. And we've seen Colossus on screen in the X Men movies and the Fox movies, but this was the first time we've seen him in X Men, the animated series. I loved him. He was great. He was adorable. He didn't want to hurt anybody, he just wanted to smash, right? And ultimately, I was watching. So I watched that episode twice. Actually, I watched it more than twice because I had it on the background. But in his original fight with Wolverine and Jubilee, he was very careful, well, maybe not as careful with Wolverine, but he was pretty careful not to hurt them both. And even with Jubilee, he picked her up by her coat and was like, why you fight Colossus? What's the matter, little one? You know, and kind of cages her up in the forklift, then takes off to go to the bank. Apparently, it's the only thing that's running through my mind of, of the timeline of the episode. But he is just this gentle giant. At the end of the episode, he helps recreate the mansion. And he said he wants to go off to see his
0: sister. Awesome. They did Colossus right. This is the Colossus that was first introduced in the comics. And once you, with the whole sister thing, I don't want to spoil it. I too can't remember exactly every door that this um, series goes through, like Chris. And. This is good. I liked who voiced him. I like the way he was characterized. So good to see Colossus.
1: I did not catch any of his Russian, though, which might have just been we were eating dinner while we were watching these.
2: But, oh, his sister, I can't wait. Oh, good. Sounds like we do. I can't wait either because I don't know if it's going to be the same as the movies. I just know that there is a story there and I like Colossus. I like this version of Colossus. So we'll see what happens with his sister also you know throughout the whole days of future past thing and in the last episode i think this is the first time we get a shirtless x-men wolverine loses his shirt in the middle of of one of the fights right
0: not only does he lose his shirt but he keeps his mask it's so silly i mean i i watch i like i'm a fan of k-pop and i have this Little joke to myself where some of the guys are allergic to their shirt, meaning they'll, they'll put on a perfect like suit jacket or even a regular coat, but then they have no shirt on. But that's a K pop thing. Here's Wolverine, no shirt, but somehow his mask, it, there's a perfect rip and his mask is still on. I'm trying to figure out that physics. Yeah,
1: because doesn't his collar stay on too? That's just weird. Earlier, we might have seen Magneto without a shirt-ish, just in the stomach area. So, it depends on how you want to count that.
2: Yeah, there's bandages involved in that, I think. Well, yeah.
1: even before that, when he was still in the rubble.
2: Oh. Well, there was a lot of quick costume changes also in the Juggernaut episode, where they'd be in full costume, in the next scene, you'd see them like in their individual cars or whatever, and they'd be in their street clothes or whatever. And it's kind of fun. Again, I've mentioned this before with Gambit. It's kind of funny. Rogue's another one. Her street clothes is her X-Men uniform with a coat on. It's it's the same thing.
0: This series added another power to Storm, which is using the lightning to change her outfit.
2: There you go. Just blind everybody around you while you change your outfits. I see. It's just more of Storm becoming an
1: anime character, announcing Changing instantly. It's just straight up anime. I
2: don't see it in any of our notes, but we got a lot of Gene Scott Logan. We got a lot of that in these episodes as well. I was like, okay, we're going to hear more of this because I've heard montages of this before from the series. So,
0: Gene Scott, Gene
2: Scott. So, yeah. I
0: have to admit, I lost count of how many times someone was called a rookie.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to remember this rookie. Wolverine the Bishop. And then Jubilee, I think, was called Rookie a couple times too, right? Yeah, I think so. But Jubilee actually officially becomes part of the active team. She's actually allowed to go out and fight.
0: She admits how much the X-Men have become important to her. It's like, I love this team too. I want to be a part of this. Isn't this my fight as well? And She's no longer the mall kid. She's grown up a lot, and she can handle... She still has a bit of the mall girl in her. You can't take the mall completely out of the girl, even though the girl leaves the mall. But her powers, like, she's got really good control. I really like how they've developed it very much out of the comics. What she can do it was great.
1: And even though they'd kind of let her go on missions before, it was always hey, go with somebody and just be a lookout. And now they're letting her go on things for real. So this is just a really good step.
2: One thing I noticed, and this caught me a little bit unawares, because I'm not an avid reader of the X-Men comics. I did get all the issues a few years ago, and I was just like, this is not for me. But I guess in this iteration of the X-Men, Rogue is Mystique's daughter. And that started to come out and I didn't catch that so much in the mirror Island episode where they saw each other, but there, it was definitely coming out in these episodes. So I did a little research. I guess there is a comic background of this relationship. I don't know if it's actual biological or adoptive, but that actually took me by surprise. I was like, Whoa, I didn't realize this was happening.
0: That's why we, we didn't want to tell you, SP, you realize Chris and I, we knew and we, we bit our tongue. We were respectful. Yeah. And there's more to it.
1: And some of us literally bit our tongue and sounded more like death.
0: <laughs>
2: That's right. You did. <laughs> well, I enjoyed that little reveal because I don't, again, I don't think it came out in the Mirror Island episode, but it definitely came out in this episode. Okay. I've had my piece of this. It was a fun watch. You have anything else, Michelle?
0: One of the things from the comics that makes Magneto scary is sometimes he's right. And I appreciate how the writers and producers brought that aspect of Magneto to the show.
1: Early 90s cartoons like this, you really had to worry about violence levels. Because they did not want kids to see people dying. And they did not want kids to see people getting shot and getting hurt which i think not even i think which i know is why they have the sentinels as a major villain throughout this entire series because wolverine can just go crazy on them and it doesn't matter because they're robots and don't have any feelings and so you can hurt them because you're not really hurting them because they're not alive
2: i could tell you guys are happy that you've watched this season again you've rewatched it over the past 3 weeks right just a uh, bit.
0: yeah
2: yeah i didn't see it originally but so three weeks it took us to go through the season. Originally it was Halloween night, October 31st to the end of March of so five months. So got a little condensed version here. I'm looking forward to the next season. We're looking ahead. I think we're going to do about the same thing. I think we're going to do the first five episodes of season two, next episode, and then run four episodes, four episodes. I think it is also a 13 episodes season season. I think I will have to go back and look at the schedule to make sure. But next week for sure, we'll be going through the first five episodes of season two. And if you're watching along with us, drop us a note. Tell us how you like the episodes. Tell us how you like our discussion of it. Do You want to hear more of the background of the creators. Do You want to hear less. Do you want to hear more about our takes of the episodes. Just let us know. We'd love to hear from you meantime, we do have some Marvel studio news to talk about this week. Ooh, I believe I get to start. We're going to talk about Brie Larson to start. So Brie Larson was in an interview in Insider, and she was talking about her training for Captain Marvel for the upcoming The Marvels movie. She said it went far beyond what I ever believed was possible for my body. She said, quote, I affectionately called myself an introvert with asthma before I got to play Carol Danvers, and I started training first out of sheer panic because I thought, oh my gosh, Marvel doesn't know that I don't even know how to walk up on a hill without being able to be out of breath. So I started this journey thinking I'll get strong, and I had no idea. I went far beyond what I ever believed was possible for my body. Unquote. So she chronicles her fitness milestones. I seem to remember this. She was pushing a 5,000-pound Jeep while her trainer, Jason Walsh, was inside. She chronicles it on Twitter, on Instagram, and her YouTube channel, and it gives fans insights into what she does. She said, quote, being able to hip thrust 400 pounds, deadlift 200 pounds, push my trainer's Jeep. I mean, it's an incredible experience to realize what's inside of you is well beyond what you knew was possible. And I have Carol to thank for that, unquote. So she talked about, more of being pushed further in her training, quote, I wasn't going to try to break my deadlifting record or hip thrust record, unquote, this time. Quote, to me, it felt like I had done that. I had wanted to focus on new challenges, unquote. So she's talking about her training in the original movie and then this movie. And she might have done some training for the Avengers. I don't know. Quote, in the first film, she's developing that strength. And so I was developing my own personal strength with this one. She's already got more mastery over her powers. She can fly now. And so having my body more limber, more ready for these types of movements, like wire work, which I didn't have to do as much on the first one, was the main goal. I just started to kind of get obsessed with it. When people say like, oh, girls can't do that. It just makes me want to do it even more. So there were huge accomplishments this time. And I just feel like my body's just getting more and more used to this and more and more excited. Now it feels weird to not train. I look forward to it, unquote. And she trains constantly as part of her life outside of getting ready for the movie and stuff like that. So I just thought it was nice that she's pushing herself because of this role. And also she's pushing herself because she wants to be an inspiration to girls, which you know there needs to be, I believe, a lot of role models for girls. To do this, and she is apparently one. So I'm psyched to see this movie either way, but psyched to hear about her physical training for it, which means there's going to be more action for Carol Danvers. Michelle, what do you think?
0: Yeah, it's great to know that the project's still going and she's happy the way it's going to go.
1: I really love the way that she portrayed the character in the movies, and just knowing that we're going to get even a more enhanced version of that is just going to be so cool.
2: Another thing that we're all looking forward to is this sitcom reality show that we're going to get She-Hulk.
1: She-Hulk director Kat Corio teases bringing a mix of humor and heart to the Marvel universe. She says in an interview with TheRap.com, I never chose a project based on genre, and actually I don't think very much about genre. I think about character. I think about the emotional lives of the characters, and, you know, can I bring something? Can I bring a mix of humor and heart to this? Because this is what I love to watch, and it's what I love to work with. And so when I stepped into the Marvel playground, the cool thing about that is it's an ever-evolving universe, and you have straight dramas, and you have very comedic films, and we're in a world where we're definitely playing with a more comedic world, but it's also still part of Marvel land. I am so excited for fourth wall breaking potential with She-Hulk, because that's a thing that happens.
2: She's even going to talk to Kevin Feige during it, it's been confirmed again.
0: I remember reading She-Hulk and got so upset when it got canceled. This was a long time ago. I'm not talking about the current iteration. Back in the 90s, got really into it. It got canceled. One of my favorite characters. I'm really happy that we're going to get it.
2: I'm looking forward to it. Like I said, it's going to be fun. It's going to be funny. Well, we've been talking about X-Men 92, but there's also this little thing, reason why we're watching X-Men 92, this thing called X-Men 97.
0: Indeed. In an article on comicbook.com, X-Men 97 producers reveal Intel on X-Men, the animated series Revival. Note, this article spoils the end of season five of the original series so if you've never watched it and you don't want to get spoiled, you may want to skip reading the full article. In the article, the X-Men aren't the only team returning in Marvel Studios X-Men 97. Husband and wife team Eric and Julia Leeward, two of the creators behind the beloved X-Men, the Animated Series, joined original series director Larry Houston as consulting producers on the animated revival ordered at Disney Plus. The continuation faithfully recreates the style of X-Men the Animated Series and brings back many of the original cast members, including Cal Dodd as Wolverine, Lenore Zahn as Rogue, George Buza as Beast, Allison Seely Smith as Storm, Chris Potter as Gambit, Catherine Disher as Jean Grey, Adrian Adrienne Haug, Nightcrawler, and Christopher Britton as Mr. Sinister. X-Men 97 is rumored to be 10 episodes and possibly streaming on Disney plus in 2023.
1: Obviously the entire team here has proven they knew what they're doing so they can have as many episodes as they want because they know what they're doing.
2: I can't imagine this not getting picked up for another season, like X-Men 97 season two, or I don't know what you want to call it. Season seven of X-Men, the animated series, whatever. I just don't see it not happening. Unless they're trying to deconflict the MCU with the X-Men. That could be. I mean, they've got this wonderful property. Of course, they wanted to do something about it. The movies weren't ready. The MCU wasn't ready for it. This is a continuation of what is called on Disney Plus. If you guys have noticed, it's in like the legacy animation category. It's not in the MCU category. And this was produced by Marvel Entertainment. It has not been brought on board to be MCU canon, so to speak. So if you're going to have fun with it, just have fun with it as long as you can, right? Until you can't. And then I hope they bring it to a satisfactory ending. That's not a cliffhanger because that would kind of be bad for me at least. So,
0: yeah. You know, if this is the way we get the mutants, I'm fine with it. I'm fine with the mutants not being in the MCU because That's a lot, especially because they have the Eternals and they're bringing in weird time space stuff. I think it's fine if we get the X-Men this way. I'm happy with it.
2: I think we've had this discussion before. I don't know if you were on that episode or not, but I was pontificating that if the X-Men are brought into the MCU, that it wouldn't be until late in phase six or maybe even phase seven. And it not be in the next like phase trilogy. like Whatever they've got going right now, I don't think incorporates the X-Men. So however long it takes to get through that, then I think they bring in the X-Men. That's just my opinion. I could be wrong. And I think that's a lot of money that they dropped, Disney as a whole, to buy an entire other studio. One of the jewels from that was the X-Men. It'd be kind of crazy for them not to capitalize on that. So I I do think eventually we're going to get in the MCU. But for now, I just don't see it happening anytime soon. And Kevin Feige's confirmed that in comments. Like, look, we got other things to do right now. I haven't even thought about how to do that. Well, I don't believe that for a second. I know he's thought about it, but I think that it's not concrete plans, at least now. So if you're fine with this is the way that we get X-Men for right now, and I think a lot of people are, then everybody's happy that we continue to get X-Men content. As we wait for them to return to the big screen in one way, fashion, or another. All right. We did have another little note that Ironheart is still ongoing. So I just want to mention that really quick. Ironheart is still ongoing. All right. So that's it for the news this week. We'll get on to some feedback now. One of the owners of the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. Twitter account posted a poll today. What is your favorite Migna role? You had four choices Melinda May from Marvel, or Agent May from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Fennec Shan from Star Wars, most notably lately from the Book of Boba Fett, Mulan from Disney, since so she was the animated voice of Mulan, or the voice of the animated Mulan. And Dr. Chen from ER. Those are the four options. With 81% of the vote it was Melinda Bay from Marvel winning that poll. Fennec Shan was number two at 14.3% and Mulan at 4.8%. Uh, it's about what I kind of figured coming from a Marvel-based account. You guys happy with that result there?
1: I mean, I definitely agree with the result. I'd flip the middle too, but you know. I'm not exactly disappointed with those middle two being how they came out
2: of note. You have not seen the book above the fett yet.
1: That is a true
2: statement. Okay. But Milan is really good. Yeah, it is. Michelle, you happy with those results?
0: Yes. And I believe she is the first person to be in the MCU, whether agents of sealed is still canon. it still started in the MCU star Wars and a Disney princess. She has hit the trifecta, and I believe she's the first one to do so. So, congratulations, Mingna.
2: Congratulations indeed. We also had a really nice note from Matt on Discord. Let me read this here. Loving the X Men recaps, I have started rewatching as well and wanted to chime in. Yes, it's very comics accurate. One of the reasons so many of us fell in love with it when it first aired. Yes, the characters were just like that in the comics at the time. I can imagine how disoriented it is for somebody who only knows the characters from the films or even in their current form, but this is how they were written then. Looking forward to further discussions. Matt, thank you very much for the note. I'm looking forward to future discussions as well. If you have something to chime in, please do so. We would love to hear from you in the future.
0: Yeah, indeed. thank you very much for stopping by our Discord and leaving a note.
1: We always love it when people come in and like what we do. Just knowing that we hit you well enough for you to feel like you had to come tell us that is making my heart grow very happy.
2: It feels like the Grinch in the, you know, when the heart grows three sizes, the whatever. All right, Michelle, what do you got in store for us now?
0: I think Manito needs to come along and rescue us from the Blackbird.
2: We didn't even talk about the Blackbird moment when Xavier was flying into Master Mold and Magneto saves Xavier from the plane at the last minute there. So, yeah, I, by the way, flying a supersonic jet with a bunch of literally TNT in the back, probably not the safest thing in the world to do. Same. Anyway, thank you very much for everybody who listened to this and downloaded this. We really appreciate you. Please drop us a line of how you're liking this coverage so far. We're really doing this for you and I guess for all of us, but we're really doing this for you. So if you want something else from us, we really want to hear what that is. I have another appearance on another podcast been talking about before smoking and drinking in space, the expanse when this comes out season two, the episode on season two will be out. So if you're an expanse fan, you can hear me geek out all about that over there. The podcast is called Smoking and Drinking in Space, and you can find it at creativebraincandy.com.
0: Thank you for everyone for listening and downloading and interacting with us as well. You can find me on Twitter at shell underscore game. We just wrapped up our Riff's Ballad of Fate story with Nerds with Dice. You can go over to their YouTube channel and watch us as a whole. But we had a true storyline with a nice beginning, middle and end, which a lot of rpgs don't get but we had a nice satisfying if you like really big fights we had an epic fight for our last episode it was great action it was amazing go check it out
1: yes a big thanks to everybody for listening for telling your friends about it for pushing it into other people's ear holes with consent because that part is important and if you like hearing more from me best place is to head over to playcomics.com where you can check out the as we are recording this latest episode where I talked to Erica Schultz about her book coming out in April because I'm really ahead of things called Forgotten Home. Be sure to listen through after the end credits because that is probably where you will get some of the best how to get into comics answers that I've ever gotten out of all the people that I've ever asked that question to.
2: It was really cool listening to that episode, and you asked her a question, and she started referring to all the other properties that she's been involved with, and she just mentioned to you, yeah, I'm just looking at all this art on the wall, just trying to remember everything that I've been a part of. Man, she's been a part of so many amazing story runs. I'm, again, shocked, shocked at the level of talent that you get to interview over on Play Comics, and if all you do is ask nicely, then you ask really 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 nicely and i'm jealous of all that
1: that's really all it is it's asking nicely and good timing
2: all right michelle i do plan on listening to this epic fight as soon as i can all right everybody you can contact us if you want to give us some feedback or want to tell me i'm wrong or want to say what your favorite part of the x-men the animated series is we have a website Legendsofshield.com. our voicemail is 844 the bus 1 The bus, by the way, meaning the big aircraft at the beginning of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So that is 844-843-2871. Our Twitter account is at Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. If you want to get in on those polls that somebody posts from time to time, our YouTube channel where you might be watching this is YouTube.com slash Geek. And our Discord server, which I'm at every single day, I know Chris is at every single day, and I know Michelle's been there quite often lately, is at GunnyGeek.com slash Discord. So that's it for this week. Until next time, I'm Director SB.
0: I'm Agent Michelle.
2: And I'm Agent Chris. See everybody next time. Bye! Bye. Bye. I wonder what superhero would be the best at removing snow. Hmm. That's I don't know. Good Storm's good. been
1: bringing a lot of ice lately.
0: Cyclops with his eye beams
2: Not a superhero, but I'm thinking Iro might be good. Maybe. We'll have to discuss it later. Bye. Bye. Thank
1: you for listening. If you want to leave us feedback, go to gunageek.com and you will find all our contact information and other shows. You can also visit legendsofshield.com where you'll find our complete archive of podcasts. The music heard on this podcast is by Kevin McLeod, found at incompetech.com and also artists on pawn 5com and AudioJungle.net. The opinions heard on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and do not represent Stargate Pioneer Productions, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., or Gunna Geek. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is the property of the Disney Corporation, Marvel Studios, and ABC. No infringement is intended.
0: Hello. Hi. Hello.
1: What's up?
0: What's up?
2: What's up? What a week.
1: Oh, I know.
2: Chris, you still haven't watched Boba Fett, right?
1: I still have not watched it.
2: (laughs) You're in for a good ride. Good. Yep. So I did watch Hero Dreams of Sushi.
1: Yes. How did you like it?
2: It was surprisingly good. I mean, it was impactful. It was passionate. It had lessons in there, and I do like sushi. So I mean, that was a little bit. I mean, like you marinate fish for five days. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that.
1: It is amazing,
2: and the stuff that he has done in in his life to get where he's at. Just wow. Also, the snowstorm, which was happening while we were recording last week, didn't end for a day after that, and it had already been going on for a day. So Friday night comes, and like, well, I like, wow, I should probably think about shoveling out of here because eventually we're going to have to get out of here. And so I started using the blower. It took me two and a half hours. My driveway's not all that big. It took me two and a half hours because there was that impactful ice layer underneath you know Mm -hmm. i did my best to try to scrape it i still had to throw down salt a couple days later on the shaded parts but everything else had eventually melted off and i know how to walk on ice when i know it's there but yeah delivery people and people were coming to work on the house and that sort of thing i'm like now i need to take care of this otherwise i'm gonna get sued so i bought just little jars of Salt Morton salt for de-icing from the grocery store. They were like twelve bucks just for. it's a lot of money for salt. Anyway, Saturday comes around and I'm finally taking Cooper for a walk. I got the boots, I got the snowsuit on. I'm tromping around. I get out of the house and what do I see at the end of the cul-de-sac? I'm near the end of the cul-de-sac. There's only one house in between me and the end of the cul-de-sac. Zzz, zzz this is post office truck. I had tried to get to one of my neighbor's post office mailboxes. Mm-hmm. I got stuck. I'm like, oh, great. So I walk over there, give the leash to the next door kid who was out trying to scrape their driveway. They never got that done, by the way. Anyway, I gave it to him. He was, he was like, what? what do you mean? What? What? I'm like, look, just have the leash. It'll be a couple minutes. I know you guys like him. Just hold on to the leash. So I walk over to the post office truck. Didn't say a word to the guy. Just get in the front of it. And I start pushing a little bit. And he rocks it back. And up three times, he's out. It was no big deal. So I'm like, hero. I just turn around, get my dog back. said, well, congratulations. Because of me, you can now have, and you holding Cooper, you can now have mail. And he just looked at me like, you know, the dumb 13-year-old mm. boy look. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I continue on my walk. It's not done yet. So I'm trouncing, you know, getting a good workout because nobody shoveled their sidewalks. Two streets over, I get to a cul-de-sac and I I'm looking down because I don't want to trip and slip on anything or anything. So I don't even see this and I got my earbuds in, so I'm not really hearing anything, but I get into the near the end of the cul-de-sac. I look up that extra in the middle of the cul-de-sac stuck on a little snow mound that the plow left there. Big, huge FedEx truck, not a semi, but, you know, big, not the small one, the big one. I'm like, oh, this is going to be fun. And stuck behind him is an Amazon truck. And the Amazon truck wasn't stuck. It just had nowhere to go. So it was stuck there and probably wanted to make its deliveries. So couldn't with this FedEx truck in the way. So I'm walking up and I'm looking at what's going on. And these just they are a bunch of, I don't know. They're just, they don't know what's going on. They don't know how to do this. They've never seen snow, never driven in snow before. And quite frankly, that truck should not have gotten stuck there. I'm, I'm surprised it did because it's just a little mound of snow. I got caught in front of the back wheels of this big, heavy truck. But the tires are kind of, bald. they're rain tires. So bald with channels in them yeah. sort of thing. Anyway, I said, look, I just got the post office truck out of a snowbank, a couple streets that way. Maybe I'm going to bring you some good luck. So let's try this. And I saw that what they were doing after about 30 seconds. We're like, no, no, stop, 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 stop. First of all, turn your wheel straight. I know you want to turn, but we can turn after we get you unstuck. So turn your wheel straight because mm-hmm. turning the wheels, just added more yep. force against it. So turn your wheel straight and uh, we'll rock it back and forth. And we'll, we'll on, we'll take a shovel. One of the neighbors finally came out, brought shovel. She was like 60, 65. She brought shovels. So we were able to use shovels to, kicked down the snowbanks. I said, okay, we're gonna rock you out and go straight as far as you can and then try to turn to avoid the car. that's on the side of the street at the end of the cul-de-sac. So about eight pushes back and forth later, this is just me with my legs. Saturday was leg day. Saturday was not meant to be leg day. <laughs> I'm rocking it back and forth. I'm sitting, kind of sitting on the back bumper, leaning against the back bumper re- using my feet. Finally got free. And the dude took his foot off the accelerator and then started to turn and created a berm in front of the back tire again.
0: Oh, God. Dude,
2: so the lady had already gone back into her house to get birdseed. She had a big bag, like 20 pound bag of birdseed. She's like, can you use this? I'm like, yes, yes, we can use this. So I gave it to the truck drivers and delivery truck drivers. I'm like, okay, use this for traction. Well, they were putting it behind the tires. We're trying to go forward. They were putting it behind the tires. Like, guys, as you're going forward and the tire is spinning that way, where are you going to need traction? Well, under the wheel. Okay, so if your tire is spinning and it's going around in the forward direction, is that bird seed behind the wheels going to do you any good? I don't know. Okay, let me save you some trouble here. Put it in front of the wheels. Oh, okay, that sounds good. So they did. And then the Amazon truck driver helped me push and and we got the, the guy out. He was straight until he had to turn and he finally got out. And all the time he's on the phone with his dispatcher, which is I don't know, 30 miles away. The lady actually asked him, so is your supervisor going to come out and help you? It's like lady, he is 30 miles away in an office. He's not coming out. Yet. So we, well, we got him free and he continued on and by this time the post office truck had come behind the <laughs> amazon truck right so it's getting kind of sporty there in the cul-de-sac i pointed to the post office truck and i said i got him out i got this thing out i pointed at him i am not getting you out of a snowbank so don't get in a snowbank he's like no dude i'm not and it wasn't condescending to him at all or anything <laughs> or he wasn't being smart ass back to me he's like no, no, I I don't plan on getting in any snow and don't worry about it. I'm like, okay. And so I walk Cooper about the same time every day. These guys see me. They've seen me for months. So that was great on uh, Saturday, was able to help the neighborhood out, get these two guys out. Monday, not Sunday, Monday, I'm walking Cooper around the neighborhood, same time the post office truck was delivering. He actually tracked me down and he stopped me and he said, I never got a chance to thank you. I went out yesterday and I bought some dog treats for your dog. Here, let me give them to your dog. And I'm like, okay. So he's like, oh, so thank you very much. And Cooper ate the dog treats. And yeah, so that was my snowstorm. I helped two delivery trucks out and Cooper got some dog snacks out of
1: it. So the moral of the story is that the postal guy said that Cooper is your dog. (laughs)
2: <laughs> <laughs> i was a good good piece of matter i was just glad to help out and get my mail and get fedex packages even though i don't think we had anything come from fedex yeah
0: I, I finally got to uh use the snowblower that i had since minnesota i hadn't used it since i moved here and it's like there
2: we go and it started and everything uh yeah cool it's electric oh okay yeah i have electric too that's what I use.
1: Yeah. I just to off my windshield this morning. That's about it.
2: Oh, poor baby. I know. <laughs> it's going to snow again here tonight. I'm really looking forward to it. Oh.
0: I think we need to have Magmino rescue us from the Blackbird.
2: Rescue us from the Blackbird or in the Blackbird?
0: From the Blackbird, because that's what he did.
2: Because it's going to crash.
0: Yeah. Like the Enterprise.
1: blackbird singing in the dead of
2: night Mm, Troy must have been piloting again
0: excuse me but how many times has the enterprise been destroyed before Troy so stop it with the whole Deanna Troy thing
2: I guess that only works with the D and the E (laughs) I mean you gotta admit If you're going to have a pilot that's going to crash, you might as well have a pilot that has some experience crashing and surviving. So, just saying.
0: Yep. That's true.
2: What do you guys think about the Futurama uh, Hulu revival?
1: They better get Dimaggio to come back.
2: I know. I've heard that they just haven't been able to make a deal.
1: That's the way I'm reading everything. Like, everybody seems to be freaking out that he hasn't signed and taking it as a sign that it's not going to happen. I did a horrible experiment while I was watching the episodes this week. You drank? No, no, that's a normal thing. We watched one episode a night just to kind of simulate having to wait a week.
2: (laughs) That's like waiting a week now, especially when you can, like, Play the next episode, play the next episode, play the next episode.
1: (laughs) It was not fun at all.
0: I put a link to Tom Holland on Lip Sync Battle with Rihanna's um Umbrella in the show notes under Umbrella.
2: Cool. I see it. Thank you. I'll watch that as soon as we get out.
0: Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is copyright 2013 through 2022.